We're continuing in a Revelation series this morning, the revealing of King Jesus. We'll be in Revelation chapter 17. There's a little bit of a recap of last week. You set the stage. Remember, we went through the seven bowls. And it was a matter of perspective. Ms. Joan, do you remember what you see up there from last week? What did you see? You, you saw the chalice. Terry, do you see anything else up there beside the chalice? Yvonne? Two faces. So in the same picture, not to put you on the spot, Terry. Are you awake now? Gotcha. <laughs> so we saw last week when the seven bowls were released, the world will never know a more harsh judgment that God had ever, will ever release. And there's two perspectives at this time. The chalice or the two faces. So what were the two perspectives that we looked at? That one side saw that God was doing this, and how did they respond? The people of God responded, the angels and the angelic host. How did they respond during the world's worst judgment? It's up on the screen. Worship. And we found that the good news of Jesus Christ is his death, burial, and resurrection and promise return. That's good news. And what we've been studying is his promised return. And part of his returning is this judgment. We find it more comfortable to praise Jesus when he was born, Christmas, to praise Jesus at Easter because he raises from the dead, conquers sin, and we can get to go to heaven, right? But are we willing to praise Jesus as he reveals himself in the scriptures of Revelation as a returning warrior king, to be crowned king of the earth? And so last week as we concluded it, can you re worship the Jesus that is re revealed to you in Revelation? Because Revelation 1, 1 is what? The book of Revelation is all about the revealing of Jesus. The book Revelation means the unveiling of the king, Jesus. It's the last book that gives us, wow, this is really who Jesus is now and who he will be when he comes back. The book is it unveils his return, amps up in the judgment, but also amps, amps up in what? Continuously through the book. It's on the screen. Worship. It's hard to put that in our minds this morning. So this morning, we're going to look at a lot of Bible verses. Revelation 17, 1 through 19, 5. But I want you to turn your Bibles right now to Revelation 16, 19. Turn to Revelation 16, 19. Got it? And it reads like this. God remembered Babylon the Great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. Now look up here. Look at me for a second. That is the last bold judgment. God is saying here, the last judgment, the biggest one, is I'm going to judge Babylon. The last bowl. That's the verse. Revelation 16, 19. God remember Babylon the Great, and he's going to make her drain the cup of the fury of his wrath. Have you ever heard the phrase, the, wrath, the cup of wrath? This is where it comes from. 
Now pay attention. What we're going to study is zooming in on just that. So we've had seven bowls. Last bowl is God said, I'm going to judge Babylon. And we have one verse from last week for that. This morning we have two, over two chapters that describe that in detail. So last week, hey, the last bowl is Babylon's going to get judged. There's worship. This week is, how did that go? How did people react? So John basically says, hey, I'm going to give you even more detail about these verses. So part one, we find out more information about Babylon and this Antichrist or the beast. That's chapter 17. Okay? What is Babylon? What is the Antichrist? Part two is the lyrics to the song to the fall of Babylon. Okay? So we have King Jesus revealed. Last bold judgment is the judgment against Babylon. And this morning we're going to go into detail about Babylon, the Antichrist, and the resulting six verses of a praise song. So join with me in part one, Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman who was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of the mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mine of wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, the other is not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. And for the beast that was and is not is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are the ten kings who have, who have not yet received royal power but are to receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is the Lord of lords, King of kings, and those who are called and are chosen and are faithful. And the angel said to me, in verse 15, The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over the royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city 
that has dominion over the kings of the earth. How many of you, after you listen to that, got, I got that. I'm not going to, man, I worked hard this week to put this in such a way that makes sense. Revelation, typically, as in this verse, says, here's what it is, and I will tell you what it is. This is the one time in Revelation when it explains to you what it is, and it doesn't make any sense. It takes a lot of thought. I love the verse in there that says, this takes wisdom. <laughs> so in Revelation part 1, it's talking about Babylon. What is Babylon? Anybody remember Babylon in their studies? Great, one of the great eighth wonders of the world. But God defines Babylon as the epitome of self-worship. Babylon is the epitome, the best example of extravagant sin. Babylon is where you find flamboyant lifestyle of whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes you feel good. It's the catchword for all of that. Not only are they professionals at this, but they're also really good at killing God's people. Babylon holds the world record for best use of sin in worshiping anything other than God. Babylon is drunk on the blood of God's people. Babylon is the great melting pots of all people. Babylon is made up. Her residence isn't just for those from Vegas, those from San Francisco, but those from Ocala. It's a catchphrase. It's a word that God uses for these people. Those of membership of Babylon come from all over the world. White, black, everything. Yellow, make up Babylon. She is run by kings, presidents, diplomats, and rulers, global authorities. We vote them in. They rise to power. Babylon will not be just a little segregated group that the weirdos off in the forest or the weirdos that live over in that housing community. This is a large group of people that is administratively governed by world leaders. And John marvels. I love the authenticity of the Bible. When John sees Babylon, he goes, whoa, look at that. How many of you have been to Vegas? Right? Did you see the lights and go, whoa, that? Okay, how many of us go to a truck show with all the chrome, and you walk in and go, whoa, right? Robbie, if I were to invite you to Barrett Jackson, we got a front seat for the Mopar, you would be like this. Whoa. Okay, so John, the angel reveals to him here, this is what Babylon's like, and how does he respond? Whoa. And I like what the, the Scripture says in verse 7, chapter 17. Why do you marvel? Let me explain to what this is about. That might be a beautiful-looking truck, Mopar, Vegas, and lights, but let me tell you what it's really about. It's busted. It doesn't have a transmission. So he describes Babylon to him. Because what is the fuel to the horsepower of Babylon? The Antichrist. He is the one who gathers the world leaders 
to formulate what is going to happen in them. Now I want you to move your fingers to Revelation chapter 17, verse 17. Got it? Who puts the, who's behind the working of the Antichrist being behind Babylon? Who's got a plan for this? If Babylon is the essence, the epitome of everything that's the worst in the world, and it's powered by the Antichrist, who's got the plan? In verse 17 of chapter 17. No, I want more specific than that. Yeah, God, you're right, Joan. Sorry. And our, Jesus. Jesus has got this. The warrior king, the king has put it in their hearts. The Antichrist is going to do this. And what, okay. So the Antichrist is the power behind Babylon to make her the best it's ever been at what he wants. And what will he do to her in the end? His own city, his own culture, his own people. What's he going to do to her? Okay, he's going to destroy her. But didn't we say last week that this was part of the God's judgment? That God destroys Babylon. And who gets the worship later today for this? God does. Can you see that the Antichrist is just a pawn in God's game? He will do exactly what Jesus wants him to do. And he'll hate it. And why will he destroy Babylon? It's everything he wants. They're worshiping Satan. They're worshiping anything other than God. So that means then they're taking on the number of the beast. He hates. Satan hates anything that represents God. Even those that do not worship Jesus, follow God, have the image of God in them. He will destroy his own worshipers. But who's part, who has the master plan? Of all this detail, in chapter 17, God's got the plan. Don't miss that. No. As we look back through chapter 17, let's look at what it said about the Antichrist. So we've talked about Babylon, who she is. The Antichrist. He's the one that powers the sin in Babylon. He's also a demonically empowered temporal being. We know that the demon that, in, that comes into the Antichrist is released from the bottomless pit at the fifth trumpet. All that to say, the Antichrist is a flesh and blood person possessed by a specifically released demon that gives him the power to do this. That who is he working for? Who is the Antichrist working for? Satan. But he's a created being but demonically empowered. And what's his final end? Destruction. We know it's a spoiler alert. He's going to do all this, but his end's going to be destruction. But his goal is to solicit everybody's worship. Except who? The names that are written in the book of life. 
God has marked his people and set his people apart. And before the beginning of time, there's a book that they'll come up again next week that there's a special ledger with names in it. Robert, whatever, Jewel. Whatever your real name. Robbie Jewel. Joan Fanon. Everybody whose name is not written in that book will worship the Antichrist. Will inadvertently then worship Satan. The entire world is in this business of worshiping the Antichrist. Except who? Followers of Jesus. What does it mean to have your name written in the book of life? What's that? You have life eternal, and we're going to get to that next week. We'll see what that actually looks like. You get to write your own name down in the book of life. How do you get your name in the ledger, Joan? God puts it there, but he is also asking every one of us to interact with him. And he says, here is Jesus. He died for you. He rose from you, paid for your sins. Do you believe that? Do you have faith in that? Somewhere, some in time, God has written down your name. If you never accept what Jesus has done for you on the cross and because of his resurrection and his promised return, your name doesn't go in there. The Antichrist also has the power to unite the entire political world. This means he's somehow going to be able to get Netanyahu and the whatever the Kim Jong whatever of North Korea to like each other. Mexico and Canada is going to like each other. The United States will be on the side of the Antichrist. I'm sorry to tell you this. The Antichrist will be that good at garnering your votes out of the world's votes to be elected to run things. And there will be a united government that will exactly exist for how long? Oh, one hour. One hour. It will exist for only one hour. And when that hour comes, this world is all, the world government comes together and the Antichrist has done his work of gathering all these people, they immediately say, you take the keys. You run America. You run Russia. You run Mexico. Run the entire world. He has, they have all this unity for one hour. Then they'll declare war on Jesus. And how do you think that ends? The king conquers them. Now, Revelation 17, 17, whose plan is this? Part of God's plan. The king has got a plan for this. Now, Babylon is what? Recap. I would, if somebody comes to you on the street and says, hey, I've been reading Revelation, and this Babylon, and they're using words like whore and prostitute, by the way, I didn't even know that's in the Bible. They'll love that stuff. And they come up to you this week and say, Robbie, what's Babylon? What does that mean? Who is she? And I read about her sitting on this thing, and you've got the beast that's supporting her and all this. Who's Babylon? It's the image that God uses for everything that's the worst, the best of the worst. 
So when somebody says to you, who is the Antichrist? Well, then you're going to get all these theories of who it is. How are you going to explain to somebody on the street or at work this week when they say, who's the Antichrist? How are you going to answer that question? Jesus has got a plan and he's a pawn in it. He will do exactly what Jesus wants him to do. He's going to declare war on Jesus and Jesus is going to smash him as part of Jesus revealing himself to the world. Okay? That's Revelation 17 in a recap. We got the Babylon and we got the beast. Now let's get into the worship. Because we have the lyrics in part two of the fall of Babylon. It's going to be a song in six verses. Move with me to Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 9. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then he heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back, as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a little like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen. I am no widow. And mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day. Death, mourning, and famine. And she will be burned with fire, for the mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Babylon falls. Verse 1. The first three verses. The mighty angel. This has got to be an incredible angel that John describes as coming down and fills the world with his glory. It's not God. But this angel comes down and says, finally, Babylon has fallen. The zip code for every evil and practicing sin. Wherever God originally designed for good, these people have twisted into self-serving worship of themselves. Verses, verse 1. Then verse 2 is 18, 4 through 8. You hear another angel sing. Anyone in that zip code better move before the judgment gets going. Surely judgment comes because her sins are stacked up to heaven. God is watching, God is paying attention, and God is keeping record. God sees, God knows, and God records. And when judgment comes, they ask for a judgment twice the size of the stack of the sins that she's made. Because they're getting what they deserve. Babylon gets what she's deserved. Look at the verse, look at the end of verse 7. She has worshiped and glorified herself, running headlines like, I rule. My partners will never die. I'm always happy. Think about this. 
How many people do you meet that say about their life, I run this? No, God, you're not running this. I am. I got this. I'm the king or queen of my own throne. Coming to know Jesus is where you remove yourself off your personal throne and give it to Jesus allow him to rule. The Babylon's cry is what? I rule this. What else does her headline say? Everybody that I have fun with, they don't die. We run this strong. How many of you heard this in your youth? And then she also says, don't worry, be happy. We even had a song in the 80s from that. Nobody here probably remembers none of you old enough. Yeah, Rob even knows the song. What is the, what is the battle cry today? YOLO. Is Hannah back there? Hannah, what's YOLO? Yeah, you heard that at school? Yeah, what's it mean? Right, so what does that mean you get to do? Whatever you want to do. Right, we've been saying this. We said this really strong in the 50s and 60s. Right? What was the battle cry of Woodstock? I'm not, I shouldn't look over you guys. You're not old enough for that. Joan, Carolyn, do you remember the battle cry of Woodstock? Okay. Ryland, do you remember? Nobody remembers Woodstock. How many know what Woodstock is? Right. What happened there, Joan? Work with me. Yes, everybody's into drugs and free love. Okay, and then we had kids. The baby boomers had fun. 60s, you get back from, you know, got the whole Vietnam going, things, so you might as well have a concert in the country and get naked. Do a bunch of drugs. Right? It's a big deal. We all have even, everybody in this room, nearly everybody except Rodland, maybe, knows of Woodstock. What I'm saying is, hey, this idea that you only live once, that do what makes you happy, is a long, long slogan from way back. It is just not the millennials and Zs that are champions of this. We have taught them as parents. We have lived in front of people that you are your God. You are in control. Whatever makes you happy, go for it. Do you recognize this is the battle cry of Babylon? Why does God hate this? God says, worship who? Me. Who do we want to worship? Ourselves. What makes ourselves happy? Whatever makes us happy. And God is watching. God is keeping a record. And what will the judgment be? Deserving. And as we read this morning, Miss Rodland and Pastor Michael, her inhabitants, the people who live in, Bab in Babylon, sing their lament. In the chorus of the praise to Jesus for doing this, it actually has verses for the people who are crying. They have watched their Babylon 
be destroyed in one hour. And the response is weeping. Because they say, all of that power, all of that fun, all of everything that made her up is gone in one hour. No way. They took all the fun away, fun away in one hour. They took all of our money away in just one hour. The tycoons, the investment brokers, the people who've got filthy rich off of people worshiping themselves see all of their assets gone in one hour. Part of praise to Jesus is also those who get to sing this lament. It's included in your Bible. Then as we move to Revelation 18, verse 20, the camera moves back to heaven. Everyone is rejoicing. All the inhabitants of heaven, the followers of Jesus, the apostles and the prophets are praising Jesus. Chapter 18, verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment against her. Why are the prophets rejoicing in heaven? Prophet, here's God's going to, here, you're in sin, you need to repent, this is going to happen. Basic definition of a prophet. Why are they rejoicing at this time? Isaiah, why is Isaiah? Why is Ezekiel rejoicing? Why is Jeremiah rejoicing? John himself in heaven rejoicing. Huh? It came true! You write a letter to your sister. God is going to do this. Repent or he's going to judge. Eons later, Jesus does it. You're in heaven going, you did it. You finally did it. I took it your word at the time you told me because I guarantee you Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah's bones are now dust. Zechariah writes a lot about Revelation and the return of the king. His bones are dust. God, you told me it's true. Now, if you told Terry something that was true and it didn't happen in the next three months, Terry might be like, whatever. We look at God's Word. Hold it in your hand this morning. Your story Bible will all come true. Do you have the faith to believe that that is true? It is part of the chorus of the fall of Babylon's where the prophets go, yep, there it is. You did it. But it is in God's grace that you do have it now to be able to communicate to other people that, hey, this is true. You may mock it, but God's word does come true. And in verses 21 of 24, the sound of silence. Pastor Michael read about this. When Babylon falls, there's no more sound. It's part of the verse of the praise of Jesus, the revealed king, where there's no music. You don't hear the people partying on the street because you only live once. All the lights, bells, and whistles of an industry designed for people to worship themselves is dead. You have verses of the sound of silence. 
Now let's bring this to a crescendo. Revelation 19, 1 through 5. John writes, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of the saints of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all of you, who, all of you his servants who fear him, small and great. The great crescendo in heaven. Praise God, because the camera has moved back into heaven, and now it's on a great multitude that's going to belt the last verse. And they say, praise God, because only He can provide salvation. Only is He the one that can take care of our souls in our time, in the future in Revelation, and in for eternity. Praise Him for that. Only God is worthy of worship for what He has done in revealing Himself. They are praising God at this crescendo because He started by saying, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And as he does, more and more worship happens. So at this crescendo, they're like, praise him for the way he's done what he has done. Jesus, in that revealing, you are true and just. Praise you because you have finally judged the corruption of this creation. How many of us sit back and wait and say, God, when are you going to take care of this? The news assigns problems in our community, the problems in the shootings on this, 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 this. Where do we know the issue lies? In sin. God, when are you going to make all of this right so there's no more? Children getting sick. Older people dealing with arthritis. When are you going to take care of it? At this crescendo, what are they saying? Praise you for you are taking care of your creation. You're judging what has been those who have corrupted your creation. Praising. Praise God because you have avenged the people who have been killed. Praise God because His judgment is for eternity. He deals with it. It's done. It's packaged and put away. But the camera zooms in even further. You have this great multitude. Everybody in heaven is singing this great crescendo of a verse. And it goes in on the 24 elders and the four living creatures. And what do they say? Amen. What does the word amen mean? I agree with that. They are the chief, highest-ranking angelic host. They hear all these people praising God. And what do they say? That's right. Wouldn't that be wild this morning and while we're singing? Somebody else said, that's right, keep it going. From the sidelines. There's a heavenly host that's in part of this worship service. Here's this over here and says, that's true, keep it going. And what do they say then? Let me join. Praise God for everyone who serves Him. They fall down. They worship the King. They worship this revealing King. And they say, this 
is true. This is worthy of joining in. And they say, praise who, everyone who serves him and all those who fear him. How does it end? The fall of Babylon. The crescendo. Verse 6 of the lyrics to the fall of Babylon sung by the heavenly host. Look at the screen in front of you. Praise. Praise the revealed king. Babylon has fallen. This morning, can you praise God? Can you praise him as the revealed king? Not the Jesus that we have in our head, that we've got in this cute little box, but as he is revealed, can you be in the process of praising him because what is happening in your life? Here is the fall of Babylon, part of the world's worst judgment, and what is the result of it? Praising, worship service. Can you praise your king today for what he is doing today? Because you can say to me, well, that's cool. Somehow them people in the future are going to be able to praise him when that happens. Is that the the revealed king that we just learned about today still exists now? Yes. So as life hits you sideways this week, and you're crying out for vengeance. You're crying out for God to make it right. God to take care of what He promised He would. Can you praise Him? Can you praise Him as the Bible reveals Him? Do you understand what I mean by that? Let me work with you. We've studied him being revealed. This king. Is it the Jesus you like? Is it the Jesus you can accept on faith when he says, here's who I am. Here's what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to win, but it's going to be kind of rough through the process. Will you believe me? So as we step into tomorrow morning, Jesus has revealed himself more and more to you today through interacting with his word and other people. When you hit the alarm clock, when you hit the Walmart, when you're dealing with your neighbors or whatever, can you walk in faith because Jesus of the King who is being crowned in the book of Revelation says, I have a personal relationship with you.